we're going to start Galatians 2. We finished one last week. And we're going to go verses 1 through 10. And the title of this sermon is Untamed Freedom. Oh, dang. Oh, dang. He's right. <laughs> you're, like, you're like, what is going on? It's going to be good, I promise. Well, I'll read it first, and then we'll pick it apart, and then we'll put it back together. Yes. <laughs> All right, a puzzle. <laughs> All right, let's read. Then, after 14 years, that's like more than some of you guys, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along with me. Question, between Barnabas and Titus, which name would you rather have? Titus, Titus, Titus. Titus. Who wants to be Titus. Barney? Titus. <laughs> hey guys, I'm Barney. <laughs> I went up because of the revelation and set before them, though privately before those who seemed influential, the gospel that I proclaim among the Gentiles in dance. In order to make sure I was not running or had not run in vain. But even Titus, who was with me, was not forced to be circumcised, dun, 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 though he was Greek. Greek means he's not circumcised. Snip, snip. So he came to their midst, and he was not forced to be circumcised. And if you're Titus right now, you're going, because this guy's like a grown man. Yet because of false brothers secretly brought in who slipped in to spy out our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus. Freedom. <laughs> so that they might bring us into slavery. They're scoping out our freedom so they could bring us into slavery. Not good. To them... We did not yield in submission even for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. And from those who seek to be influential, what they were, what they were makes no difference to me. God shows no partiality. Those, I say, who seemed influential added nothing to me. On the contrary... When they saw that I had been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised, those are the Jews, no, those are the Greeks, <laughs> um, ba -ba -ba. just as Peter had been entrusted with the gospel to the circumcised, those are the Jews, for he who worked through Peter for his apostolic ministry to the circumcised worked also through me for mine to the Gentiles. And when James and Cephas, that's Peter, and John, who seemed to be pillars, these strong manly men, perceived the grace that was given to me, they gave the right hand of the fellowship to Barnabas and me, me and Barney, together for Evs. Right. Uh, that we should go to the Gentiles, and they to the circumcised. Only they asked us to remember the poor, the very thing that I was eager to do. So what is going on here? Why is Paul all stoked? Yeah. Have you guys ever tried to mix oil and vinegar? 
Yes. Yes. Does not. Count. I did that on yes. Friday. It's disgusting. If you put them in the same container, what happens? It smells. Well, it might smell. <laughs> but what happens is the vinegar settles down at the bottom, and the oil goes up to the top. They won't even cross paths, and then you get a smart idea. You're like, I know. I'm going to shake the bottle, right? <laughs> so you shake the bottle violently. And what happens? They do not mix. There are little bubbles of each inside each other and doing weird things and dancing around like, you know, doing the jig. But still, they're not mixed together. No matter how violently you shake this bottle of oil and vinegar, these two things will not mix. The oil stays oil, and the vinegar stays vinegar. Right? Yes. Are you seeing it? Yes, I am. However, there is something you can add to the mix to make it stay. First of all, to make it mix together. Then, to make it stay mixed together. We'll talk about that in, like, a couple hours. All right? <laughs> So first, let's talk about the vinegar, okay? Vinegar, sour, right? If we are going to compare the vinegar to somebody in this little portion of Galatians, it would be um, the false teachers, the law imposers, or what we would call the legalists, right? They're... They're super bent on keeping the law. So they're coming into the midst of the churches of Galatia. And they're saying to the people who are in Jesus that you need something in addition to Jesus. And that's to be circumcised. Because it says in the law that to follow God, you need to be circumcised. In fact, that's one of the mitzvot. The mitzvot is like a, a command in the law. There's 613 commands. In the Old Testament, right? 613 mitzvot. You're like, I thought there were just 10. And I wasn't even doing good with the 10. Now you're telling me there's 613? Yes. 613 mitzvot. Amongst one of those is to be circumcised. So these law enforcers, these legalists, these false teachers, or what we would call Judaizers, they want to turn everybody just like the Jews. They're saying with their sour language, their vinegary language, that in order to really be saved, you need something in addition to Jesus. You need a little snip, snip, right? You need to be circumcised. You need to follow Jesus and on top of that, follow the law. You need his righteousness, but you also need to do something in addition to that. Right now, these are saying that I call them vinegar because, like, the way they are, like when those people are around you, they're they're bitter, sour. They don't taste very good by themselves. Um, like, you just don't like having them in your midst because they're party poopers and their fun wreckers and their and they're they're sour and i think mostly for our age group right our age group we don't we dislike 
the sour people by default. We're like, get out of our, you're messing up our fun, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah, good. So the question is, what are we going to do about this vinegar? Pray about it. Maybe. Here's, here's one solution that some people like to do. They say the vinegar is vinegary and sour, and I dislike that with the depths of my soul. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to run to the opposite direction. I'm going to be oil. I'm going to be smooth. I'm going to be enjoyable to the palate. I'm going to be, like, delicious on food, right? I, I personally love oil. Yes. That's just me. And hanging out with the people who are like oil is, like, smooth. It's fun. It's like tasty. It's like enticing. Because the people who are like the oil, they are like the people who would say, whatever is the desire of your heart, do that. And you're like, that sounds amazing because whatever I want to do, I do it. Even if it hurts me, even if it hurts other people, even if it hurts my church body, even if it wrecks my future, even if it wrecks my family. If I feel like it, I'm going to do it. It's oily, it's smooth, it's enticing. It's whatever the desires of my heart will are, I will pursue those. And you're like, vinegar, I definitely don't want that don't want to be a sour person. I don't want to be a bitter person. I don't want to be an unpleasant person to be around. And then you look at the oil, and we know people who like oil, and you're like, well, they seem to not be going anywhere in life. They seem to be not amounting to much. In fact, some of what they do seems fun, and some of what they do seems harmful and foolish. And I like elements about them, and they're fun to be around, but I don't know if I could do that day after day after day after day, consistently and only pursuing the desires of my heart. Not that always pursuing the desires of your heart is a wrong thing, and I don't want to come down hard on that, but only and exclusively and to the harm of others, foolishly pursuing after the desires of your heart. Um, not a good thing. So what happens when you try to mix this oil and vinegar? What happens when you try to shake the bottle of oil and vinegar and bring them together? They don't mix. They get mad at each other. There's conflict. There's disputes. People are angry. People are calling the other people false teachers. There are false teachers, the Judaizers. We're calling them the vinegar. They're coming into the midst and they're saying, in addition to the salvation of Jesus, in addition to his righteousness, you also need to be circumcised. You need something. You need Jesus plus something. Right? And then these sour people are looking at Paul, and Paul is establishing his apostolic authority and his revelation from Jesus himself and saying, listen, this gospel that I'm preaching, it's not a gospel of man. It's the gospel of God himself. The Judaizers are calling Paul a false teacher. 
And they're saying, listen, compared to our vinegar, you are just an oily sucker. Right? You're too slippery, Paul. You're saying that people can get away with living without the law. And Paul is like, listen a little bit closer because I'm going to tell you exactly what's going on. I definitely don't want the sourness and vinegar of legalism. I don't want somebody impressing their morals on you and saying, this is what you need to do or be or say to be saved. I don't want that. At the same time, I don't want crazy living. What he'll go on later to say, I don't want drunkenness and debauchery. I don't want, I don't want just this anything goes lifestyle. I don't want this like you're pursuing the desires of your heart and that's the only thing that makes you happy lifestyle. Because both of those lifestyles, oil and vinegar, are idolatrous. Both of them have idols. And you're like, wait a second, what? Well, let's talk about this. They're in conflict. There's this inflammation. There's this division. And what it's revealing is both of their immaturities. It's revealing immaturity. Conflict reveals immaturity. Right? You can do as good of a job as you want of hiding your immaturity and, and putting on a good face and a good show for people and, and doing your righteousness before men. But when conflict comes, the immaturity comes out. Vinegar, the vinegar lifestyle, this legalistic lifestyle, is like a metal detector. Okay? Legalism or... Living only and exclusively according to the law is like a metal detector. All right? Go with me here. If you're at the airport, have you guys gone through a metal detector at the airport or somewhere? Mm-hmm. If you go through the metal detector, and it's an unattended metal detector, right? There's no, like, TSA attendant standing on either side of it. If you just go through the metal detector and you happen to have metal on you, you happen to not be abiding by the code of the airport, what happens? You get checked and questioned and... No, but if there's nobody there, it just beeps. Yeah, just walk over. (laughs) It just beeps and you just keep on walking. All the law is, those 613 commandments... All the law is, is like a metal detector. The law cannot make you well. Just like a metal detector cannot make you well. A metal detector cannot heal you. And the law cannot heal you. A metal detector cannot give you life. And the law cannot give you life. No matter how hard you try to keep it. All they're good for is telling you that something's wrong. The law is there to tell us the way that you're living right now, it's not up to the standard. That's what the law tells us. The law reveals that something is wrong, but the law is completely powerless to do anything about our broken situation. Just as a metal detector on its own, unattended, without uh, like a security guard standing by it, A metal detector by itself is 
unable to remove the metal from our pockets or perhaps remove the concealed weapon that we're trying to sneak through uh, airport security. The metal detector will go beep, 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 beep. But unless somebody reaches in and removes the flagrant object, like, nothing happens. You can't get life from a metal detector and you can't get life from the law. But what about oil? Is oil any better? No. Right? Like, we don't like the sourness of vinegar, so do we just run to the opposite end? And do we live however we want? And do we live according to the desires of our heart? And do we just chase after the wind, as Solomon says? You see, the idol in legalism, the idol of the Judaizers, was the law itself. They turned the law into an idol. They worshipped the law. They said, don't you mess with this. Because when you start to mess with people's idols, they get impatient, they get antsy, and they get angry. When you knock over the idol of the law, or when you reveal their idolatry of the law, the law can be a good thing. Right? The law can be a good thing. But when you reveal their idolatry of the law, they get divisive, they get angry, they get immature, they get causing conflict. On the other end of the spectrum, the idol of the person who's like oil, the idol of the person chasing after their own desires, the idol is themselves. Whatever I want, whatever I desire, whatever I need, I will bow down to that. Whatever makes me feel good, I will do that. I will say that. I will be that. I will live that way. Either way, it's still idolatry. And living the way of oil is what Solomon calls in Ecclesiastes, chasing after the wind. He looks at life at the end of his life and he goes, it's all meaningless. Vanity, it's meaningless. Everybody chasing after beauty, men chasing after women, women chasing after men, people chasing after fame, people chasing after money. It's all here one second and gone another. And as you realize life continues to move at a pace that we can do nothing about. And these things come and go and riches and poorness, poverty, fame and infamy, relationships and loneliness. These things come and go. And Solomon looks at all of this stuff, this stuff under the sun. And he goes, it's, it's just like chasing the wind. It's like trying to catch the wind with a net. You ever going to do it? You're never going to do it. Because every time you feel like you've had enough, the wind will slip through your fingers and say, just a little bit more. Just a little bit more. Just a little bit more. Whatever it is that you're chasing after. And it all comes back to the idol being ourselves. Bowing down 
to our desires is a slippery thing like oil. Living with ourselves as the thing to be worshipped, dangerous. Because we're never going to catch what we're trying to catch. It's like chasing the wind. Make sense? And you're like, well, what do I do? Taking away my options, right? This is not a call to choose sides. This is a call to grow up. And we're like, is it A or is it B? Is it A or is it B? Is it A or B? Is it oil or vinegar? I can't choose. And Paul's looking at this situation and he's going, it's not an either or question. There's a C and you just don't see it. This isn't the choice between legalism and license. Depriving yourself of joy or seeking after all the joy you can find. It's neither. It's not an A-B thing. It's not a call to choose sides. It's a call to grow up. See, what was happening in these churches was they were living according to the gospel. And the gospel will naturally grow us up. And the gospel will naturally produce fruit in our lives. And the gospel will naturally produce this freedom that you can't explain. And people, especially the sour vinegar type people, the legalist people, will look at this freedom caused by the true genuine gospel of Jesus Christ. People will look at this freedom and go, No! You can't say do act like that. That is against the law. You can't walk around uncircumcised. That is against the law. Now get over here right now, mister. See, the legalists and the vinegar type people, they want to reign on the parades of people living in genuine freedom. Now, here's the thing. It's true. Vinegar can point at oil and say that is a harmful lifestyle. And you're like, yes, I grant you that. Living however you want, chasing after the wind, getting drunk 24-7, this is a detrimental lifestyle. And you are a harm to society, your family, and yourself. Way to go, legalists, Judaizers. You mutilators of the flesh. That's what he calls them elsewhere. Get it? Anyway. (laughs) Vinegar people will point at oil people and say, that's why we can't have any freedom. Because you're just going to mess everything up. It's better to be safe than sorry. Right? It's better to have too many rules than not have enough rules. (laughs) That's what the vinegar people would say. 
Now, on the other hand, the oil people would look at the vinegar people and say, you just don't get it. You're just hard-hearted. You're just, you just want us to follow your rules. You just want control. You just want all of this stuff. True. Absolutely true. And that's why this isn't a conversation about choosing sides. This isn't about choosing oil or vinegar. This is about finding a real, true, gospel-centered freedom. And not just like a little bit of freedom, because the vinegar people are afraid of freedom. We can't bow down to the concerns of the vinegar people and say like, oh yeah, we'll abide by the rules of the faithless. You see, the legalists are lacking in faith just as much as the people living however they want. The rule enforcers are just as idolatrous as the people who are chasing after the wind. So the question isn't, do we run to one extreme or to the other? Do we pick oil or vinegar? Lots of rules, no rules, do whatever you want. The real answer is an untamed freedom. Freedom that is so free that to the vinegar people, they look at it and go, that's dangerous. There's no control. Let me tell you something. You can't control the spirit of Jesus. And it's a freedom that those oil people who get this, they think they're free, but they're still in bondage in slavery to themselves. They're still bowing down to something else, to an idol, to themselves, to their needs. And if they don't have their needs met on the spot, they will rearrange their lives around it to meet their own needs. They're still in bondage. They don't have true freedom. They think that's freedom because they're doing whatever they want. But the true answer is this untamed freedom that makes both sides look at it and go, either that's dangerous or I want that. It's a freedom that's desirable. It's a freedom that made spies. Spies. Like who sends spies? It made spies come into the churches of Galatia and look around and being like, what is this freedom stuff? You so-called Christians. Freedom in Jesus. Yeah, right. There's no control. It's a freedom that drew people in. Even if they didn't accept it, they wanted to know about it. What do we do with oil and vinegar when they won't mix? We, we don't shake harder. 
we don't continue with the same arguments. Get this. Ready? You add an egg yolk. <laughs> if you add an egg yolk to oil and vinegar, or maybe a couple, egg yolks are emulsifiers. Emulsifiers means it makes everything blend together smoothly. It actually combines elements that weren't previously combinable. Right? The answer is not continue and shake harder and call people out and call people idiots and do all this stuff. Saying, you don't get it. You don't get it either. It's not a continuous dispute with our earthly minds. It's adding an egg yolk to the mix. And I'm going to call that egg yolk the freedom of Jesus that is found in the true gospel. That's the answer. The answer is Jesus. Not fighting with one another. Not running to either extreme. But adding some Jesus into the mix in such a way that everything blends just perfectly. It emulsifies. It becomes one. And hey, isn't that what we're called to do? Jesus prays to the Father. I pray that they may be one just as you and I are one. So connected, so intertwined, so mixed together that you can't distinguish one from the other. It's all the same thing. The gospel of Jesus. The grace of Jesus that covers a multitude of sins. We're no longer pouncing on one another for our mistakes. We're allowing mistakes to be made. And we're finding freedom. The vinegar people who would say, you can't live in freedom. It will produce nothing good. You go, yeah, it will. Because in the presence of grace, in the presence of true freedom, and in the presence of Jesus, people grow up. People mature. And those who can trust Jesus allow that to happen with their hands haven't have not having to be all over the situation. The question is, do you trust Jesus enough to trust him with other people? Or do you really want to say to Jesus' face, no, I think you're going to mess their lives up. <laughs> do you really want to say that? A true... <laughs> A true, genuine faith, a grace-filled faith, a gospel-filled faith will look to Jesus in full faith and say, I trust you. To do in other people's lives what I am incapable of doing. All this sounds like a lot of letting go, right? Yeah. 
And with all this comes like this profound emotional freedom. You're like, what? <laughs> you see these Judaizers, they want, it says in the text that they wanted to come spy out the freedom and turn that freedom, freedom into slavery. So they look and they see this free living and they say, got to get some rules on this puppy. All right. I don't really care what it is, but right now circumcision sounds good. Listen, you guys, you need to get your lives together. You're not even circumcised. I, they're trying to turn freedom into slavery. Isn't that the exact opposite of what Jesus came to do? Didn't he come to turn slavery into freedom? Didn't he come to set the captives free? If he came to set the captives free, why would we try to put the captives back in captivity? Or the ex-captives? Why would we try to put the free in captivity? Idols, the idolatry in our hearts, idolizing the law, idolizing ourselves, idolizing things that are not God, idolizing the Bible. Is the Bible a good thing? Can people idolize it? Is the law a good thing? If it's used right. <laughs> so you can't idolize the Bible? Like, I don't get that. Like, I mean, like, like the, the Bible is a good thing, but it is not to be worshipped. It is not to be put in the same place and on the same level as God Himself. Right? Yeah. Anything that takes the place of God is an idol. We say to God, I will not lift my soul to another. I won't turn things, people, doctrines, laws into idols. I won't turn myself into an idol if I truly worship you. You see, this weird emotional attachment comes when you start knocking over people's idols. (laughs) Right? That's what Jesus came in the temple and we started doing he was flipping over tables it's not that he was angry at these tables he's like these dang ikea tables (laughs) cheaply made poor instructions i hate this he wasn't mad at the tables (laughs) he was mad at the people making idols question is it good to worship god in the temple like, well, so let me help you out. It was commanded. Is it a good thing to worship God in the temple? Depending on what your heart is doing. You're, you're a step ahead of me. Is it, good, <laughs> is it good to make sacrifices that were asked to make? Like, an, They were called to make animal sacrifices. Is it good for them to make animal sacrifices? Well, if it becomes an idol. Oh, my. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, Hannah, you're too smart. Good. Come back a step. <laughs> But that's the issue. 
What was being worshipped in the temple wasn't God himself. It was self and money and rules and animals and status. And when we're in God's temple worshipping those things, he will come in and flip over some tables. Yeah. And it's not the table's fault. It's the people in the temple's fault. But didn't God make those people to create those things? And he knew they were going to become idols, so why did he make the people to make those things? That's like, yeah, saying. why okay. did... That's why did... Oh, God. Okay, uh, his well, responses well, can be... We'll discuss this later. Okay. We'll discuss yeah, this later. Hang on a minute. They were, they were trying to turn freedom into slavery. And Paul in this passage says, No, you guys don't get it. You see, I took Titus with me, who happens to be a Greek, which means he's not circumcised. I took him to Jerusalem with James and Peter and John, kind of the pillars of the faith, kind of the head honchos, kind of the the main apostles, and we met with them, and we were there, and I was talking with them, and these are the guys that Jesus walked with on the earth, and these are the guys that he entrusted with the church. And these guys didn't say, listen, Titus has to be circumcised before you can do this. No, they didn't say that at all. In fact, they gave us the whole eastern wing of the church and they said, here, you take care of this. Wow. It's like freedom. Here, you take care of this. It's like a true letting go. Here, you take care of this. That's like a trusting people with something because you trust Jesus with them. Here, you take care of it. That's like a letting go in such a way that people have this open-fielded, untamed freedom. Like what's before them is boundless, limitless, an untamed freedom. Not a freedom with something. Not a Jesus plus the law. But an untamed freedom that people are like, yeah! <laughs> later on, later on in Galatians, Paul is going to go on to talk about the fruits of the Spirit. And he goes, listen, against these things, these fruits of the Spirit, there's no law against these things. These fruits are an untamed freedom. And it doesn't produce poor living or harmful living. It's not going to lead a person to foolishness. Living in the untamed freedom of the spirit leads people to life. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, we thank you for your message of freedom. God, help us to understand more deeply that freedom. God, help us to grasp onto that freedom with all that we are. Help it to be a reality in our lives. God, help us when we are vinegar.
and we're holding people to some standard. Help us when we're making people pay for something we think they need to pay for. God, help us for when we're unforgiving. God, help us for when we're oil and we think whatever I want goes. Help us when we're bowing down to ourselves and our desires and making idols out of those. God, give us freedom in that area as well. God, help us to live out an untamed freedom that bears the fruit of Jesus in our lives. And help us to help others do the same thing. In Jesus' name, amen.